So this is a little tip. I know that this show isn't about health and wellness. I would be remiss if I did not drive this home for you is that you must be your best advocate in all things, but especially when it comes to your health. And this is especially important if you are a woman of color, like I'm a woman of color, Latina, Puerto Rican, but especially if you are a black woman, because there are true statistics about the racial bias and how you will get a lesser quality and how more women of color with the exact same breast cancer die than white women because of the standard of care is different. Welcome to CEO School. We are your hosts, Sunir Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who've made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so you can do it too. You're a real business now, and class is officially in session. I am so excited to have Rachel Luna on the show today. Rachel is a confidence and mindset coach. She's been named one of the top 11 most inspiring women to follow on Instagram, has been my personal business coach and mentor the past year or so. And I'm just so excited for you guys to hear from her. I think she's an absolute genius at staying positive through uh, really tough times, which is something I think we could all learn from right now. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I do have to let the listeners know that as much as I am a coach to you, you are a coach to me. And you have been so instrumental in helping me with templates and, you know, really being a good CEO. I'm an amazing coach, but you make me a better CEO. So I want to give you that acknowledgement and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And welcome to CEO school. I'm excited to dive in. So I actually want to start like right in the middle. So about um, a little over a year ago, we'd been working together in a coaching capacity and you have this amazing digital business that you've had for years. You have live conferences, which are incredible. You have all sorts of journaling courses and I've just really been in this space for a long time. And then um, you got diagnosed with cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how that impacted your entrepreneurial journey. Yes, thank you. So I have been in this space for just under a decade. And I've, I mean, from the very beginning, I've seen so much transition and transformation in the way that we do business. And so when you and I met, it was about 18 months ago, we started working together and everything was great. And actually, I was at the height. I really finally, after this decade long, I was not the overnight success. Like now you see, there's a lot more tools. Not that that's an an excuse because there were people that were super successful that started with me, you know, way back when, and I just had my own stuff to work through, but I was a slow burn, you know? And so finally, I really felt at the top of my game, I had this event, I had sales courses and journaling courses, and I was getting features. Uh, We were making more money than we had ever made. I had just had my event confidence activated in Atlanta, Georgia, where you are. And we had done, you know, over six figures just in the room that weekend. And it was amazing. I mean, it was was just like... Your whirlwind. It's like every single dream was coming true in that weekend, in that moment. 
And two days later, I was hanging out at home and I had this back pain, which was not uncommon. So I just felt like, oh, I'm tight, tense, maybe from the event, it was stressful. And I rubbed the front of my chest to, you know how like it's all muscles are connected and, and I felt a lump. And I had not, and by the way, again, I had had this back pain before. I had frequently touched that part of my chest. I had never felt anything, but all of a sudden there was a lump and you could feel it. You didn't even have to press hard and it was painful. So I asked my husband, I said, babe, come here, touch this. And he put his hand on my chest and right away he pulled it back almost as if he had touched fire. And he said, what is that? I said, I don't know. I'm asking you. (laughs) That's what I just asked you. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I feel a lump. I said, okay, well, my mom is a nurse. She's been a a nurse for 50 years plus. I call her. I said, mom, I found the lump. She said, go to the emergency room. I was like, really? Emergency? I might think we're being a little extra. And she said, no, go get checked out as soon as possible. I called the nurse advice line. They said, yeah, go ahead, go to the emergency room, get an ultrasound because you will get into your practitioner faster because you have an ER referral. Mm. So this is a little tip. I know that this show isn't about health and wellness, but a lot of women listening, I would be remiss if I did not drive this home for you is that you must be your best advocate in all things, but especially when it comes to your health. And this is especially important if you are a woman of color, like I'm a woman of color, Latina, Puerto Rican, but especially if you are a black woman, because there are true statistics about the racial bias and how you will get a lesser quality and how more women of color with the exact same breast cancer die than white women because of the standard of care is different. Okay. So and I remember when I remember watching this on stories when it happened, I remember you went on stories and said like, I found this thing and I can't get into the doctor for the next couple of months. And so I remember you really being, I mean, going to the emergency room when you have like a little painful, I mean, you had no reason to believe it was anything other than, you know, overwhelmed from this live event. Right. And also, you know, I'm getting the chills right now because I'm just thinking about all the lies that we so gullibly believe. The lie that I had been told was cancer doesn't hurt. It's the silent killer. Well, that's Mm. not true. Sometimes cancer does hurt. And so you have to pay attention. Here's the other thing is that for about a year, maybe even 18 months leading up to my diagnosis, I felt off. I couldn't put my finger on it. And I remember joking with my best friend. I was like, oh, I just feel so inflamed. You know, I have a lot of inflammation but, you know, I'm a very small, petite person. And I was like a little fluffy, but not, oh, you know, nobody would ever call me fat. Okay. But I didn't, I just felt kind of like, eh, you know, very meh. So if you have been feeling that way, examine your diet. I was living off of coffee and chocolate for breakfast. And little mini gluten-free muffins and and mostly organic, but. Yeah. And I think listening to this too, there's, 
this is entrepreneurship, right? Like I think of you're in the height of everything's happening. You don't have time to take care of yourself. You've got an event going, you've got courses going. I mean, I felt that way in my business growth journey. I'm like living off of, you know, microwave muffins and diet Cokes. Like you just don't have time to slow down. And I think that there's such a big lesson here to realize that, you know, you have to prioritize, you have to prioritize yourself first and you have to be in tune. And I just like so much respect for you for really saying, okay, I'm going to be my biggest advocate. I can't get into the doctor, fine. I'm going to go check myself into the emergency room. I'm going to make sure that I get taken care of because I am my own responsibility and no one else is going to, no one else is going to like look out for you. You know, even your husband's amazing, loves you so much. No one's saying, Hey, Rachel, like, are, are you, are you taking care of your body at the same time you're taking care of your business? You know, is that a priority? No, nobody's saying that. And here's the other thing that most of us don't do enough is we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our gut. We don't trust that inner voice because I was getting subtle clues. Like I said, for at least a year of slow down, make time for breathing, go walking. If not, no one is even saying go run a marathon or go buy a you know, $2,000 Peloton. Nobody's saying any of that. Just get your butt up out of the chair and go for a 20 minute walk. So I was ignoring every single sign that God could have possibly given me to slow down, to eat better, to love myself, to practice self-worth. You know, it was everything that I was helping my clients do. You know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. You're busy helping everybody else and making everybody else a priority that you take the, the back seat. And so I go to the emergency room. They say it's a cyst, but you should get it checked out. So long story short, I was calling every single day because they kept telling me they couldn't see me for six weeks. And I said, that's not okay. I need to be seen immediately, if not sooner. I will call every day until somebody cancels and you get me in. And guess what? They got me in. So I saw the first doctor and he said, you're young, another lie that we believe, okay? Women, please do not think that because you're in your 20s, you are exempt and that breast cancer or ovarian cancer or thyroid or hypertension or whatever disease is out there. Don't think that it's only old people get that. That used to be the case in the past, but our environment is so different. We are around so many carcinogens and toxins, the things that we put on our skin, the toothpaste that we put in our mouth, the water that we drink. Um, if you don't know, you should be checking your environment. Is it flo- is the water fluoridated? Listen, I, I don't want to make this about a health thing, but I'm very passionate about women understanding that we have been lied to. And we keep believing the lies. And if I can set you free by sharing this truth, then so be it. So he looked at me. He said, you don't have any genetic history of breast cancer and you're young. At the time, I was uh, 39 years old uh, or 38 years old. I had just turned 39. Excuse me. Whatever. You're young. You're young. You're young. You're healthy. Yeah. Right. So he said, we, you know, we could do a biopsy. We could do a lumpectomy and just cut it out. Or, you know, you're young. Why don't we just wait and see and have you come back in three months? So listen, what do most women do when someone of authority, whether it's a doctor, our spouse, or an influencer who has a ton of followers says to do something, 
We take it as gospel. We trust without verifying. And we just allow ourselves. What is the number one thing that most clients tell you? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Stop living your life from this perspective of, if someone would just tell me what to do, I would do it. You have answers inside of you. You are just not listening. You are not getting quiet enough. And if you would just stop asking everybody else and go inward and connect with whoever your God is, my God is the Christian God. So I get in with God, like, God, I'm sorry, forgive me that I have not been listening, but your girl's listening right now, so speak. And sometimes you don't get answers in that moment, but at least now you've sent off the signal of I'm paying attention. Okay. Oh, I just got chills, Rachel. Thank you so much. I think this is such an important lesson. Like if we all walked away right now, I'm with you. Advocate for yourself. Stand up for yourself. Stop looking for someone else to tell you what to do. And as someone who is married to a doctor, we joke about this all the time. I'm like, where are the answers? Come on, Evan. You're supposed to have the answers. You're supposed to know these things. They, They don't, they're not they're not gods. They don't know everything. And if you don't stand up for like what you feel is right in your gut and make sure that you're really being your biggest advocate in health or business or anything else, you're going to be stuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I have seen that pattern in my business as well, where I hired a coach. And at the time I've always been a confidence coach. I've like confidence has always been my jam. I really believe if the fastest way to build your business is to build your confidence, I help you be more confident. You're going to make more money by default. It's going to happen. And a coach told me you can't sell confidence. You need to be a sales coach. You need to start selling sales and do this and that. And I did that and it was so out of alignment. It was so out of integrity. And it set me on this hamster wheel for three and a half, almost four years, trying to fit into this box that he wanted to shove me in. Like all of this is coming from like male positions of authority down. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting pattern. I think that as, as women, we're, we've been taught to believe that a man has the answers. True. Yeah. He, he knows what he's talking about. Okay. So the doctor tells you, let's wait it out. What happens next? I looked at him. I said, you're crazy. You are insane. If you think I'm going home to wait three months. Uh, uh-uh. I, I said, you're not even going to do a mammogram. He's like, Oh, you haven't had one. I said, don't you have my chart there? I filled it out. It clearly says I, so they're not, listen, they're not paying attention the way that you need people to be paying attention to. Okay. Who knows? Maybe he was just having a bad day. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe someone in his family, I don't know what the hell, but he wasn't all eyes on me. So I had to be all eyes on me. So I, again, I pressurized them to get the mammogram. Um, as soon as we're, uh, we're in the mammogram room, they look and they were like, um, we want to do another test. As soon as they come out with the, ums, let's do more. Like you already know. Where are we going with this? Long story short, we do a biopsy. I found the lump on June 5th and I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, grade three stage at the time, stage one. By the time I got into the operating room, it had grown already into stage two, but I got the diagnosis on July 2nd of last year. And I was in surgery on July 24th. So I want you to track with me. Okay. So June, end of June, I got the mammogram where the guy had said to me, let's wait and see stage one on July 2nd, stage two on July 24th. Can you imagine what would have happened if I would have gone home and waited the three months? Wow. There would have been metastasis. It would have been a mess. Okay. So 
This is incredible. And I think there's just so much and something I really respect you for, Rachel. I feel like you are this way in everything. Like you were the first person to stand up for yourself. You're not afraid to, I know your whole thing is permission to offend. You're not afraid to rough people's feathers. And I love that about you because I think as women, we're, you know, kind of taught to like sit still and be quiet and, you know, just stay in your place. So you get diagnosed with cancer. Obviously, it completely changes your life. How did you stay? I feel like I watched this whole journey live on Insta stories. How did you? you stay so positive through what I can only imagine is one of the hardest seasons of life? I let myself feel every emotion and I did not try to be anything for anyone that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I, what you did see me positive, but I also showed when I was crying. I also showed when I was going through treatment and some of the treatments that I went through were really hard and scary. And um, I didn't do the conventional uh, approach. I did a kind of a hybrid of allopathic and naturopathic care. I went down to Mexico and I shared all of it, but I'm a woman of faith. And on July 4th at 3.25 PM, I heard God audibly tell me, you will be cancer-free within 30 days. And I remember when I heard it, first of all, I thought it was crazy. Um, And I was like, what? Nobody's cancer-free in 30 days. Like, that never happened. This makes no sense. But again, there was this voice that was like, no, you are going to be cancer-free in 30 days. And you're going to tell everybody that I did this for you. And these are the things that you're going to do. So again, we go back to this whole, I just want to be told what to do. The answers are in there. Like the Holy spirit is trying to talk to you 24 seven, by the way, I associate with the Holy spirit, whatever you associate with. Okay. Check in with yourself, get connected with your identity. This is another reason, Shannon, why most women do not know what they want They're floundering around in their business. They're struggling. They don't speak up for themselves because they don't know who they are. They're not connected with their identity. They don't know what they value. They don't know what they believe. They just have these programs that they've been following. I completely agree. It's like that movie, um, The Runaway Bride, right? And I agree. I mean, myself, my team, we are very, um, like faith is a big part of our life. And I think that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're Christian and resonate like 100% great. And if you're not like, there is, I fully believe in a higher power and that, that is inside all of us, whatever you call it. And whatever that looks like your gut, your intuition, like whatever, whatever words you use to describe it, like we have so much inner wisdom inside of us. And we always say this as, you know, stepping into your power as a CEO, you have the answers. You might not have the playbooks. You might need the structure and the systems and someone to say, Hey, here's one way it can be done, but you are the magic. You already have the magic inside of you. And the more you look to other people, for answers, the more lost you are because there isn't one way to do anything. And if you're not living life that aligned to your values and your core belief systems, it doesn't matter how successful your company is. It doesn't matter how good everything looks on the outside. You're, you're never going to be happy. And I think you're just such a powerful example of that. Well, not to mention the fact that even if I did exactly what you are doing, it still might not work. And I've, and I've done that, right? Remember I had a coach and he told me exactly what to do and it didn't work because it wasn't aligned with me and what I wanted um, and and what was aligned and and created for me. So I, I heard, you know, I felt like a crazy woman, but I just had this belief. I had this faith and I had to trust 
that healing was available for me. I had to trust that miracles are still happening every single day and that I was a magnet for a miracle. So I said that every single day. I'm a very big believer in my journal. I, oh, you will rarely, rarely ever find me without a journal. And I journaled every single day. I am healed. I am healthy. I am whole by his stripes. I mean, I really believed that it was possible. And I fluctuated between knowing and believing, right? So there were some days where I believed, but I didn't know because you don't know. You don't know until you get a scan and the scan says. But on the flip side, I've talked to people and I've heard of stories of cancer patients who they go, they the scan will say they have cancer and they will say, no, I don't, and go out and live 20, 30 years even though the scan says that they have cancer, they're like, no, I don't. I'm not even going to live into that. So really what happens is that we get to decide what is true and real for us. Yes. Let's go deeper into that. You've helped me so much with this, with what is the story I'm telling myself and what are the facts? So let's talk about that. If someone is struggling in their business and their personal life, their health, what is the process you would take them through to separate out? Okay. These are the facts and these are the stories. Okay. So first of all, identify the story. Okay. So my story that I always tell, my biological mother died when I was three years old. She had AIDS. My father was HIV positive. There was no way he was going to take care of me in his condition, single dad, whatever. And so he gave me, he sent me to live with my godmother, who I call my mom now. So if you ever hear me refer to my mom, that's who it is. And if you try to tell me she's not my mom, I'm going to punch you in the face. She's your mom. She's my mom. Yeah. Okay. So... The story that I told myself was that my dad abandoned me, that my dad didn't love me, that everyone I love leaves because I loved my mom and she died and I loved my dad and he left me. So there are all these stories. Okay. Well, let's look at the facts. The fact is my dad didn't abandon me. I saw the Joker. Like I, I, I mean, he wasn't a great dad, Yeah, but he was intermittently present. So it's not like he ditched me and I never heard from him and he never tried, right? He tried in his own way. Um, the fact that he didn't love me that, or the story that he didn't love me or everybody I love leaves me. That's not true because every conversation that I had with my dad, I cannot think the only time that I can ever think that my dad didn't say that he loved me was the last time we spoke. And that's because he was so sick. That when we hung up the phone, we had this like little routine and he was so tired. He just said, okay. Or maybe he did say love you, but it wasn't our usual goodbye, yeah. right? But the fact is that he did love me. Um, the fact is that my godmother tried multiple times to adopt me. And one time they had an appointment to go down to the courthouse and he didn't show up and there were no cell phones in this time. So she waited yeah. hours and hours and then she got home and she called him And he said, I'm sorry, I just can't give her up. Mm. Wow. So this whole time I'm living through this lens of he doesn't love me. He doesn't care. He's this, he's that. Those weren't the facts. Those weren't the facts. Those were just a story. Then you have to take radical responsibility 
for your part in the story. Okay. So let's, I want to apply this to business because this is where this has been so transformational for me. So, um, I know we talked about, you know, can you give me an example of like maybe a story someone might be telling themselves in their head about leveling up as a CEO? I'm trying to think, cause I know we did this in one of our coaching sessions. I'm trying to remember what my lie was. The lie that you had was that it was going to take you so much time to train them that it would just be easier if you did it yourself and it would probably be better. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm sure that other people can relate. I know I'm not alone in this. I remember a couple months ago, we were growing the team and I was just really struggling with it. And I said, you know, nobody can, they, they just can't do it as well as I can. It's going to take all this time. It's going to slow me down. Mm-hmm. And so what, when you and I were talking about that, the other part of what was going on with you was you wanted to do other things to help level up and scale, but you were so busy taking the time to do other people's jobs that now you weren't doing the job that you really needed to, to actually be the CEO. And so I asked you, what if someone can do it better? Yes, that was I think that's like a normal fear when you you hold on to things so tightly. I'd been doing it myself for so long and the story I was telling myself was if I let go of control, like it was a control thing. If I let go of control, everything would go to hell, really. And the fact that you you really helped me see, okay, actually the facts are there's lot there's an abundance of people that are capable. The facts are it doesn't have to be me to be done well. Well, and the other fact was that even if they didn't do it as good as you, remember? Because that, that's where we landed where it was a hat. We could agree that even if they didn't as well as you wanted or as you could do it, yeah. if they did it well enough, that would free you to actually scale and, and do better. The other thing I remember that you were really nervous about was what if I pull my hand, you know, I pull my hand back and they do something stupid and it makes the whole company, you know, I think, I don't even And can I tell you, it happened. It happened and it was fine. It was totally fine. Like the worst case scenario in my head that I was so worried if I pulled out of my, like my attention in this place and everything would just go to, go to crap. It, It happened and it was okay. And it didn't ruin everything. And so I think that was really interesting too. So, okay. So identifying the facts in the stories and then radical ownership. So someone's in this position where they feel like they can't give things up, what they identify the facts and then what? So, well, Bring it back. See, okay, this sorry. is what they tend to do. You see, you try to jump ahead. Like, okay, I did that next. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have to be willing to go to a whole next level of depth that most people are not going to at this moment, right? So we think like, okay, great. I know my story. Um, great. I take ownership. Now what? But it's like, well, wait a second. Why was that there in the first place? right? Mm -hmm. So what was the root issue of your ownership issues, right? Why do you need control? Like, where are you wounded from the past? And can you heal that wound? Because if you don't heal the wound and you're like, great, I got it and move on. It's a bandage showing up. It will show up in the next level. And you're going to learn that lesson again. And it's going to cost you more money or more time or more friction. It will show up magnified. So how do you identify those wounds? How do you go deeper? Really curious. So here's what happens. We start digging around. And I mean, I think we can just be honest. Like you were crying, right? Oh yeah. No, we can be honest. I was a lot of tears. Yeah. 
Well, everyone that works with me cries. And I always say that's such a great thing. Crying is a wonderful detoxification uh, for the body. Uh, it's great for, for all the, the chemicals. And also, it's just a sign that you're doing the work. So let's cry. Let's get ugly. Let's get messy in a coaching session. That's the perfect place, right? Be messy when you're doing the work. So what I'd like to tell people is as soon as you get to that breakdown or that resistant moment where like the, the knot forms in the pit of your stomach and your throat is all tense and you're like, I hate this. I want to stop. And you're trying to make every excuse to get off the call or to put your journal down. If you're doing this yeah. work on your own, this is where you want to take a deep breath and just say, what if I were just really curious about this? What if this weren't about me? What if this were about somebody else and it was my job to just go on this archaeological dig and get really curious and interested and fascinated by what was it that made me this way? What, what, what was the story or the issue that has plagued me to get me to this point? I love that. So it's really stepping out of yourself and objectively looking at, you know, if this was someone else, because I actually think it's a lot easier to see how we would help other people. Yeah. And we're always like, oh, I, I would know the answers for them. And so objectively stepping out and saying, okay, why do I feel this? Or why is this manifesting in this way? Yeah. And let me give you another example, because I feel like there's someone listening to this who probably she checks her phone. She's looking on Instagram and she starts off her day feeling really good, but she gets on Instagram and she starts watching. She puts her phone down and for some inexplicable reason, she feels bad. And why is that happening? Well, it's probably because you saw someone having something that you want. You didn't even realize it, but the body picked up that there was a lack in your own area, right? So, or you look at someone and you're like, her again. Look, you know, it's, I'm so annoyed every time she does this, right? You and I talk about the things that annoy us all the time, yeah. but I always get really curious. Like, why do I feel this way? Like, why does she annoy me so much? There's not, there's nothing wrong with whatever that woman is doing. You know where the issue is? It's in me. It's in me. So my favorite question to ask these days is if every single goal, dream, and desire that I had were met and, and fully in my pr present being right now, if I had everything I wanted, would I be that pissed off or that annoyed or triggered by watching so-and-so get what they want? No, I wouldn't give a damn. So really, the story is in me. The issue is me. Why do I feel this way? This is so interesting. Let's get curious. Where do I, where do I not feel loved? Where do I not feel worthy? Where do I not feel confident? And let me remind you that it does not matter how much money you make. Sometimes we think as women that when I become a proper business owner and I a, have real a, business. Mm -hmm. a real business, a real I business, promoting a podcast, it was like, I made X amount of dollars in my first proper launch. I was like, what's an improper launch? The hell said that there was a proper launch and an improper launch. Yeah. Like, what that? Who are you people? Where did you come from with this craziness? Right? Oh, this is so good. So asking yourself, like, why do I feel this jealousy? Why do I feel this frustration? If every single desire, goal, need was met, would I feel this way? Right. And the answer That's is no. Good, Rach. No. That's good. 
This is the real work right here. This is the stuff nobody talks about. I feel like, um, so you were my coach when I scaled the business from uh, around like a quarter of a million to a million dollars, which was a huge, I thought it was going to be a bunch of missing playbooks and a bunch of just like learning sales and things I didn't know. And what I realized was that it was really, I had so much fear around growing. I had so much fear over out earning my husband. I remember waking up having panic attacks that he was going to leave me because I was more successful than him. And like, these are the things that I feel like are actually keeping us from the next level. It's, it's all inside of us and those, those limiting beliefs and where did they come from? So Rachel, thank you so much. So powerful. Okay. I would love to hear what, if you could, you've been doing this for a very long time, (laughs) very long time. And I know you've seen people come and go and be successful and not, not successful. And I feel like there's a lot of people listening and something we're talking on the CEO school team all the time about is how can we innovate? How can we do things better differently? So if you could say, okay, if I was going to start over today, what are the three things that I would do? Or what is the thing that I think could be done better or differently knowing what you know about the space? Someone's entering today. What are the three things that you think they should really focus on or stick to? The first thing is your identity. Not what most people want to hear me say. They want to hear, get a blueprint. And that's it. No, 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 no. You got to get really, really clear on who you are, what you stand for, what matters most to you, what you believe, what pisses you off. Like all that messaging work that most of us try to avoid when we're doing the client avatar and the message and branding worksheet. Like those Little tools are in place for a reason because you need them. Those are the foundations of a successful business. And here's why. Because if you know what you stand for and what you believe in, when someone comes to you with what looks like an opportunity, you will be able to recognize if that is the right step for you or the wrong move. And this is why I see a lot of people struggle with making decisions with confidence and with um, expeditiously. It's because you don't even know what the hell you want. You don't know what you stand for. So get super clear on that. And coming back to those core values, that's the filter for all of your decisions in your business. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And by the way, here's a great exercise because a lot of people don't even know what that is or what they say, they'll write this down and they'll say like, okay, my top priorities are my family, my faith, um, my health. Yes. Cool. Everybody else. You just, you just described everyone's core values. Everybody's core values, right? Okay. Open up your calendar for me right now and tell me what's scheduled. Tell me where you have your fitness logged in. Tell me where your faith practice is on your calendar. Do an audit and see how much face-to-face time did you have with your kids and your family? How much intimacy and connection did you have with your partner? Because you said that that's what you value. We say that those, yeah, show, show yourself. Don't even show me. Um, Show yourself, right? So here's my little planner. So look at it, get real with yourself, do an audit and just ask yourself, where am I spending the bulk of my time? Wherever you are spending the bulk of your time, that is what you are valuing the most. Okay. Step two is I have all these great ideas. Before I take any action, get out a pen and paper and write down what that idea is going to take, 
what what resources you need, what kind of support, what systems and structure, how do you need to adjust your schedule, um, what conversations you need to have with the people in your life, what boundaries you need to set. Like take every single idea one by one and follow it all the way through and ask yourself, if I go all in on this, what does it look like one year from now? What does it look like two years from now up to the five-year mark? Most people don't do this because it's a lot of work, right? You know what else is a lot of work? Waiting. Everybody wants it today. And I, and I think like launching a podcast has been something that's been on my, it has been on my five-year plan. And look, it took me like literally seven years to get here. And I think being willing to say, okay, just because I want all of this doesn't mean it's going to happen right now. And this is the timeline I'm willing to work on it. And, and these are the boundaries I'm going to set and protect. Because I see a lot of people go all in for six months and then they're burnt out and they're not successful and they're done. Well, it's because they were so excited about the idea and they didn't take the time to like plan it out all the way. And by the way, I am a recovering quick start. I'm an Enneagram seven. So, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. It's like, if it's not fun, I don't even want to know about it. <laughs> um, what I see is that the, if you think that it takes too much time to follow up, you know, to just make the plan and write it out and look at it and decide if this is what you really want to commit to, uh, it's just as much of a time suck to quick start, try it, and then it doesn't work. And then you're trying something else. And now you feel like a failure because you didn't take, you know, two or three days to follow the idea all the way through. Yeah, and I love it. But I think really just being realistic, okay, you know, if you're in a full-time job right now, I'm going to spend the next six months getting clear on my identity and my brand and start testing with like one-on-ones in the evenings after my mm-hmm. after my full-time job and really giving yourself the space. That's something I wish I had done. I set massively unrealistic goals for myself and gratefully, I'm just a resilient human being and so I kept going. But I think that had if I were to start over today, that's exactly what I would do. I'd say I'm going to spend six months building an audience before I ever focus on launching anything. I'm going to take the time to do this comfortably in a way that really feels good to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also like to make money. I don't like to work for free. So to me, it's like, I'm okay with a client saying to me, I have this great idea and I want to make money from it next week. Okay, cool. Did you at least, do we map it out? Do we know what this is going to be like five years from now? If we do, cool. Let's monetize the crap out of it. I'm here to help you make money. Let's do that. But then the third thing I would say is to actually figure out like, you know, the boundaries that you need to have and start creating those systems because you should always be thinking with the end in mind. And so think about how, how will this one idea scale? If it's not scalable, is it really worth your time and energy? I wish I would have been thinking that way. Mm -hmm. But you know, here's the thing, you know, we hear this cliche of success leaves clues. You know what else leaves clues? Failure. Oh, I love that. Go back and look at all the things that you've done wrong with an objective as if go back and look at every failure you've ever had as if your best friend failed. Yeah. Because it's failure is an event. It's not a person. It's not a reflection of your worth or value in the world. And I, I always say there's no losing. There's just learning. And I think that so often we're like, 
just want to run away from the failures because we're associating our identity to it, right? Like in that worth to it, that we don't want to look at it because we don't want to, you know, have anybody think that we might not be good at something. And so I love that. I think being willing to fail fast, fail quickly, fail on repeat until until you get to where you want to go. And really, like you said, going back to that objectively, being curious about it, your curiosity, what can I learn from this? Why did it fail? What were the objective things that happened? And how can I address that? I mean, think about what athletes do, right? The people that lose the Super Bowl, what do you think they're doing on Monday in the locker room? Watching tape. They're watching, they're watching tape. And it, and it, it, you know, it feels like a gut punch if you're not willing to just give yourself grace. And again, look at it. You should be your best friend. Like you should be able to sit in a room in silence and just be with yourself and feel good. And by the way, I didn't always feel that way. So I understand how difficult the task is. But the way that you get there is by continuing to give yourself grace and to remember that you were created on purpose, for purpose. That's very cliche, but so true. I I hate platitudes, but every now and again, you need one. And just remember that, listen, you already know what you want to do. You already have an idea of how you want to do it. The reason why you haven't executed is because you are afraid of failing in public. You are afraid of the judgment of other people. But let me remind you that you are being judged no matter what, whether you do it on your terms or whether you try to make yourself fit in a box to do it on their terms, you will never live up. Wow. Oh, Rachel, I I feel like every time I talk to you, I walk away so empowered and excited and just like, yes, she's right. I need to let go of what everybody thinks. Um, I know that journaling is a big part of your life. It's a big part of what you help your clients do. It's a huge part of the trans, like the CEO mindset transformation you've helped me to have. So can you walk us through if we are starting a journaling practice from scratch today, what would, you know, the fast, quick, easy way to get started with journaling as part of your daily routine? What would that look like? like it's the very simple three-step faith activated method number one write anything it doesn't matter right so sometimes we're like i don't know what to write write that i don't know what to write this feels stupid i don't have time for this i don't like keeping a journal whatever just get into the practice okay then from there step two is to shift Once you've let your subconscious and your ego have their way on the paper, now you're going to put in a gratitude statement. Like, I'm so grateful that I'm doing this work. It's hard. It's scary. I don't know if it's going to work, but here I am. I'm really proud of myself. So you're going to give yourself some sort of affirmation and a pat on the back for being present. Then you're going to script your desires as if they've already happened. I'll tell you one thing that I journaled around before I had was this very house, okay? So my practice looked like this. I really want this house, but at the same time, I don't. I wanna stay in the apartment because I love the pool, I love the amenities if I have a house. So I'm acknowledging my fears as well as my desires. Mm -hmm. This is really important. And this is where people mess up journaling because they're trying to script and skip ahead. They're not acknowledging the truth. If you don't acknowledge the truth, your ego is going to be mad at you. Your subconscious is going to be like, but that's not true. You're a liar. And you need to remind yourself that you have integrity. The fastest way to build your confidence is to have high self-integrity. Keep the promises that you make to yourself. Set boundaries. If people get pissed off, let them get pissed off. 
We already know they're judging you no matter what. Let them judge you for being yourself and for following what is your calling. Okay, so then I, I wrote, um, but I'm so grateful. I have this apartment and we have an incredible real estate agent. And oh my gosh, they found us the perfect house. That's step three right there, the script. That hadn't happened yet, but I said it as if it happened. And then I went on to describe the house. It's beautiful. It's in a cul-de-sac. We have um, two fireplaces, one in the bedroom, one in the living room. There's a back door um, to leading to the pool that goes right into a bathroom. And nobody is chucking water through my house. Well, guess what? My house has two. I'm looking at my one fireplace in the living room. We have a family room. There's a fireplace in my bedroom. There's a there's a third bathroom that leads outside to the pool so that when people get out of the pool, they go right into the bathroom, right? I knew what I wanted and I wrote it as if it had already happened. Now, when you're doing this, there will be moments where you feel like I can't even do that. Then don't force it and go back into why you can't do that. What are your fears? What do you believe? What do you know? What are you afraid will happen? And keep going. And listen, if that is a real struggle for you, then you should join my program. Yeah. Um, tell us about, I think even if it's not a struggle for you, your journaling yeah. prompts are amazing. So tell us about your journaling program, how they can join, what's included. Give us a rundown. We want some faith activated members after this. Yes. Yeah, I would love to help you. And again, I have people who are brand new beginner journalers, people who are dabblers, you know, like in and out with it. And then I have people who have been journaling all their life, but they still come in because what I do is I give you a journal prompt every single day. And not only that, but there's a whole library vault of, I mean, we've been doing this for three years now. So there's literally hundreds of journal prompts in multiple categories. So even if you don't like the prompt of the day, Go and pick a different category and write through it. I teach you the method. I give you core lessons that teach you how to overcome resistance, how to make the mindset shifts, how to deepen your practice with visualization. I have um, an affirmations workshop where I teach you how to create affirmations that work so that you don't feel stupid saying yeah. them in the mirror, right? Like yeah. some of those affirmations are really corny. Why? Because yeah. you didn't create them and your ego is like, we didn't do this. This ain't us. Right? That's the interesting. Exam, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, so I give you the affirmations workshop. I do my uh, monthly group coaching calls. I do two calls. And then I do a work with me week. This is my favorite. So one week a month, every single day, we get together on Zoom. We have the prompt of the day. We journal together for seven minutes because you only need five minutes. But we found that on the Zoom, seven minutes is like the magic number for us. But you really only need five to seven minutes a day. People always say, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. You've got you're five minutes. Making, you're already scrolling. You're all, yeah, you're not making the time. So we do this together. And then if anybody's stuck, I, do, I coach you through that. So basically, it's like a whole week of coaching and journaling every single month. Um, we have quarterly guest experts who are all either multiple six, seven, or eight-figure entrepreneurs because I want you to see that this is going to get you there. This is going to get you there. Yeah. And then we have a Slack community and like the, every single day there's someone posting a win or a manifestation in the Slack. I was looking today, just from this last month alone, we have over a hundred, uh, testimonials. I was like, ah, that's journaling works and journaling with Rachel Luna works. I uh, thank you 
so much for coming on the show. Where can they sign up for Faith Activated? Where can they find you on Instagram? What's your website? Tell us where to find you online. All the things. Okay, so um, to join Faith Activated or just to learn about it, go to rachelluna.biz forward slash faith and follow me on Instagram at girlconfident. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Rachel. Go follow her at Girl Confident. Send her a DM. Tell her you love the show. Thank you for being so vulnerable with your health journey and providing so much value for us with um, just really standing up for yourself and journaling. I know I walked away from the show for some with so much. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Love you, girl. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to invite you to follow CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible free resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building seven and eight figure businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you completely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love listening, screenshot the review and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. See you in the next class. This episode is brought to you by the Icon Method. If you're a service-based entrepreneur, a designer, nutritionist, photographer, educator, and you feel like the only way to make more is to work more, this is for you. The Icon Method is our proven playbook to win back your time with passive income. It stands for ideation, creation, optimization, and niche. Here's the deal. We love running big businesses, but we don't believe your business should run you. And there is a way you can take your years of expertise and experience and turn it into six and seven figure programs that change lives in your sleep. Our Icon alumni are running best-selling online courses, membership sites, and digital downloads across every industry imaginable, and we want to show you how to. If you've ever thought about launching a passive program, or maybe you're just curious what this could look like for you, go right now to ceoschoolpodcast.com slash icon. We have an incredible free guide taking you step-by-step through the whole icon process. This has been completely life-changing for so many women, and we want to invite you to dream bigger and expand your impact with this proven method. Again, that's ceoschoolpodcast.com slash icon.